Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. Yesterday, uh, which most of you know, was a very, very special feast day, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, speaking about not our Lord, but our, but his mother and our mother, Mary's conception in her mother's womb, the, her conception in St. Anne's womb, and that God freed her, freed the Blessed Mother, from sin the very moment of her conception. So she was born without sin. What God did for us through baptism, he did for Mary at the very moment of her conception. A singular grace, not for anyone else in the world, has he ever done that because this is the woman our Lord created who would become his mother and give him flesh and blood and her flesh and blood could not have any sin in order to give God flesh and blood, that he would be the sinless son of God. And so normally it's a day of obligation. It fell out yesterday, Sunday, and our church, most um, Latin extraordinary form churches, um, celebrated the Feast of the Immaculate Conception yesterday, December 8th. Um, but I think the rest of the world, uh, certainly Novus Ordo parishes, celebrated it today. But very, very sadly, though it's a first-class feast, um, today was not proclaimed a holy day of obligation. Very, very sad to me when those things happen because our faith is being robbed from us. It all has to do with convenience and schedules and everything else. Our faith is being robbed. You know, I grew up in our Jewish home, and if it was a holy day, we didn't go to school. No, we didn't stay home and play and go shopping. We observed the holy day. Um, and um, why we cannot do that as Catholics, I don't know. We can, but but we don't. And it's a great sadness. So we just came, we did celebrate the um Immaculate Conception yesterday and just came from Mass this morning where we celebrated it again in a Novus Ordo church this morning. And I think most of you possibly will be, uh, if not celebrating, at least acknowledging Our Lady's, Our Mother's Feast Day today. So I'd like to read something very beautiful to you. Um, and uh, the introduction to this article, The Feast of the Immaculate conception of the blessed virgin mary in the first instance instance rather in the first instant instance of her conception by a singular privilege and grace granted by god in view of the merits of jesus christ the savior of the human race was preserved from all stain of original sin <clears throat> so the very moment of her conception um uh Again, God did for Mary what he did, what he does for us at our baptism, removes the stain of original sin, and it was done the moment of her conception. So she was conceived without sin and spent 
nine months and her mother Anne's womb without sin was born without original sin and never committed a single sin in her entire life. Um, okay, let me read this other description. What the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception means is that from the first moment of her conception, God, foreseeing and anticipating the merits of Jesus' passion and death, and knowing Mary would say yes to become the mother of the Savior, filled her with grace, God did, and preserved her free from all stain of original sin. The Church assumes Mary herself was conceived in the normal way through loving intercourse of her father Joachim with her mother Anne. The date of the solemnity is coordinated with that of Mary's nativity on the 8th of September, nine months later. So she was conceived uh, in her mother's womb, St. Anne, today, or at least yesterday, uh, December 8th, and nine months later would be September 8th, and that would be the date of her um, nativity, the date of the birth of the Blessed Mother. Um, Many people confuse the Immaculate Conception with our Lord's birth from his mother, Mary, but no, it has only to do with Mary's birth. She was um, conceived uh, December 8th and gave birth to our Lord. Uh, Rather, not uh, now I even got confused. She was conceived in St. Anne's womb on December 8th and was born from St. Anne on September 8th, 9 Nine months later, this is a rating from uh, the liturgical year by uh, Abbot Prosperdom Garanger. Very, very wonderful that he wrote in the 1800s. Let me read some of it to you. <clears throat> At length, on the distant horizon, rises with a soft and radiant light the aurora of the sun, S-U-N, which has been so long desired. The happy mother of the Messiah was to be born before the Messiah himself. And this is the day of the Immaculate Conception of Mary. The earth already possesses possesses a first pledge of the divine mercy. The Son of Man is near at hand. Because why? Because his mother was born. And so he'll be born not too many years from then. Two true Israelites, Joachim and Anne, noble branches of the family of David, find their union after a long barrenness made fruitful by the divine omnipotence. Glory be to God, who has been mindful of his promises and who deigns to announce from the high heavens the end of the deluge of iniquity by sending upon the earth the sweet white dove that bears the tidings of peace. The Feast of the Blessed Virgin's Immaculate Conception is the most solemn of all those which the Church celebrates during the holy season of Advent. Let me reread that sentence, beloved. The Feast of the Blessed Virgin's Immaculate Conception, that was yesterday, and for many it was put till today, Monday, Um, Again, very, very sadly, it was not kept as a holy day of obligation today. I think it's a 
a tragic situation that we are slowly being robbed of our holy faith. Um, so the Feast of the Blessed Virgin's Immaculate Conception is the most solemn of all those which the Church celebrates during the holy season of Advent. And if the first part of the cycle had to offer us the commemoration of some one of the mysteries of Mary, there was none whose object could better harmonize with the spirit of the Church in this mystic season of expectation. Let us then celebrate this solemnity with joy, for the Immaculate Conception of Mary tells us that the birth of Jesus is not far off. It's a solemnity, beloved. It's a first-class feast. Though it was moved till Monday, it was not uh, taken from being a first-class feast. And we, everyone, no one should be working today, but if you are working, uh, you're not under obligation to go to Mass, unfortunately. But I would say, if at all possible, go to Mass. At least stop in and adore our Lord today, who gave us such a mother. Dom Geringer continues, The intention of the Church in this feast is not only to celebrate the anniversary of the happy moment in which began in the womb of pious Anne the life of the ever-glorious Virgin Mary, but also to honor the sublime privilege by which Mary was preserved from the original stain, which by a sovereign and universal decree is contracted by all the children of Adam the very moment they are conceived in their mother's womb. If you are breathing, beloved, whether you are Catholic or Protestant or Hindu or atheist or Jewish, whoever you are, you um, contracted original sin in your mother's womb. The faith of the Catholic Church on the subject of the Immaculate Conception of Mary is this, that the most blessed Virgin Mary, in the first instance of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved free from all stain of original sin but rather was filled with an immeasurable grace which rendered her from that moment the mirror of the sanctity of God himself as far as this is possible to a creature. I spent 18 years as an evangelical Protestant not believing in the Immaculate Conception of Mary, believing that she was a sinner. How could I dare believe that our Lord himself could take flesh and blood from a womb that contains sin. The Church, with her infallible authority, declared by the lips of Pope Pius XI that this article of her faith had been revealed by God himself. The definition was received with enthusiasm by the whole of Christendom. And the 8th of, the, the 8th of December of the year 1854 was thus made one of the most memorable memorable days of the church's history. It was due to his own infinite sanctity that God should suspend in this instance the law which his divine justice had passed upon 
all the children of Adam. The relations which Mary has to bear to the divinity could not be reconciled with her undergoing the humiliations of this punishment. She was not only daughter of the Eternal Father, she was destined also to become the very mother of the Son and the veritable bride of the Holy Ghost. Nothing defiled could be permitted to enter, even for an instant of time, into the creature that was thus predestined to contract such close relations with the adorable Trinity. Not a speck could be permitted to tarnish in Mary that perfect purity which the infinitely holy God requires even in those who are one day to be admitted to enjoy the sight of his divine majesty in heaven. In a word, as the great Dr. St. Anselm says, quote, it was just that this holy virgin should be adorned with the greatest purity which can be conceived after that of God himself, since God the Father was to give to her as her child that only begotten Son, whom he loved as himself, as being begotten to him from his own bosom, and this in such a manner that the self-same Son of God was by nature the Son of both God the Father and this Blessed Virgin. This same Son chose her to be substantially his mother, and the Holy Ghost willed that in her womb he would operate the conception and birth of him from whom he himself proceeded. That amazing. Isn't it amazing? End quote from St. Elsa. If you wish to reread this, beloved, you can go to our website. We have it up on our homepage, www.motherofisraelshope.org. I'll continue. The Church, even before the solemn proclamation of the grand dogma, kept the feast of this eighth day of December, which was in reality a profession of her faith. It is true the feast was called simply the conception of Mary. But the fact of such a feast being instituted and kept was an unmistakable expression of the faith of Christism. In that truth, St. Bernard and the angelical Dr. St. Thomas both teach that the Church cannot celebrate the feast of what is not holy. The conception of Mary, therefore, was holy and immaculate, since the Church has for ages past honored it with a special feast. The nativity of the same Holy Virgin is kept as a solemnity in the Church because Mary was born full of grace. Therefore, had the first moment of Mary's existence been one of sin, as is that of all other children, of Adam, it never could have been made the subject of the reverence of the church. Now there are few feasts so generally and so firmly established in the church as this which we are keeping today. The Greek church, which more easily than the Latin could learn what were the pious traditions of the East, kept this feast even in the 6th century 
as evident from the ceremonial, or as it is called, the type of St. Sabas. In the West, we find it established in the Gothic Church of Spain as far back as the 8th century. A celebrated calendar, which was engraved on marble in the 9th century, for the use of the Church of Naples, attests that it had already been introduced there. Nothing new, beloved. It's nothing new. Okay, hold on one moment, please. Okay, we got it. Paul the Deacon, secretary to the Emperor St. Carl the Great, and afterwards monk at Monte Cassino, composed a celebrated hymn, on the mystery of the Immaculate Conception. Now listen to this. In 1066, the feast was first established in England in consequence of the pious abbot Helsins being miraculously preserved from shipwreck and shortly after that was made general through the whole island by the zeal of the great St. Anselm, monk of the Order of St. Benedict, and Archbishop of Canterbury. From England it passed into Normandy and took root in France. We find it sanctioned in Germany in a council held in 1049 at which Pope St. Leo IX was present. In 1090, 1090, at the Abbey of Iraq in Navarre, in Belgium, at Liege, in 1142. Thus did the churches of the West testify their faith in this mystery by accepting its feast, which is the expression of faith. Lastly, Dom Geringer says, it was adopted by Rome herself, and her doing so rendered the united testimony of her children, the other churches, more imposing than ever. It was Pope Sixtus, the fourth, who in the year 1476 published the decree of the Feast of Our Lady's Conception for the city of St. Peter. In the next century, in 1586, Pope St. Pius V published the universal edition of the, hum- of the Roman Breviary, and in its calendar was inserted this feast as one of those Christian solemnities which the faithful are every year bound to observe. Bound, beloved. We're bound to observe it. Oh, I don't know how it was excused as a a day of obligation. I don't know, but I, I ask you, I urge you, I beg you, go to Mass today if you can. Go on your lunch hour, go after work, and if you cannot go, stop by a church and Come before a statue of our Blessed Mother and pray and go before our Lord, her Son, at the Blessed Sacrament and apologize for the sins of mankind for not giving her due reverence after she gave us the Savior of the world. <clears throat> Dom Geringer continues, How thy gentle light gladdens our weary eyes, sweet Mother, Generation had followed generation on this earth of ours. Men looked up to heaven through their tears, hoping to see appear on the horizon the star which they had been told should disperse the gloomy horrors of the world's darkness. But death came, 
and they sank into the tomb without seeing even the dawn of the light for which alone they cared to live. It is for us that God had reserved the blessing of seeing thy lovely rising, O thou fair morning star, which sheddest thy blessed rays on the sea and bringest calm after the long stormy night. O prepare our eyes that they may behold the divine sun, which will soon follow in thy path and give to the world his reign of light and day. Prepare our hearts, for it is to our hearts that this Jesus of thine, Mary, wishes to show himself. To see him, our hearts must be pure. Purify them, O thou immaculate mother. The divine wisdom has willed that of the feasts which the church dedicates to thee, this of thy immaculate conception should be celebrated during Advent, that thus the children of the church, reflecting on the jealous care wherewith God preserved thee from every stain of sin, because thou wast to be the mother of his divine Son, might prepare to receive this same Jesus by the most perfect renunciation of every sin and every attachment to sin. This great change must be made, and thy prayers, O Mary, will help us to pray. We ask it of thee, by the grace God gave thee in thy immaculate conception, that our covetousness may be destroyed, our concupiscence extinguished, and our pride turned to humility. Despise not our prayers, dear Mother, of that Jesus who chose thee for his dwelling place, that he might afterwards find one in each of us, that he might find a dwelling place in each of us for the Immaculate Mother. Beloved, in my Protestant years, I was looking into the Catholic Church. I was so afraid that devotion to Mary, to love Mary, to focus on Mary, would rob me of my relationship to Christ. It is not so. I have found out it is not so. If you... Pardon me. If you want to read one book on Mary, in fact, on my journey to the church, I found a... Um, an, it was actually an ad. I think it was in the New York Times. A big paper like that, a la- an ad. And it said, advertisement, it said, if you will only read one book on Mary, read this book. The title of the book was True Devotion to Mary. I think it was seven ninety eight advertised and said, your, your money, your, if you don't want it, your money back. I said, okay, this is a deal. Because I'm looking into the church. I really can't stand to start studying Mary. Too many other things, excuse me, to look at. And so I said, okay, I just have to read one book. I'll get it. So I got it. And I tell you, um, I read my life, my sweetness, my hope. And I said, how can you dare? How can you call a creature that? Aren't those words for God? And then, of course, I think nothing of it when a man calls his wife or says, she's my life, she's my sweetness, and she's my hope. We're not going to say to him, I thought Jesus was your life, your sweet. Well, yes, but he's describing a love for his wife that has no words, really. 
And I thought the whole thing was just just too much overboard. Until I came, it's written by St. Louis de Montfort, until I came to his love for the Lord Jesus Christ, later in the book. And I wanted, I longed to love our Lord Jesus Christ. One day, as St. Louis de Montfort loved him, and I thought to myself, how on earth can a man like that have such devotion to a creature, the Blessed Mother, and have such love for our Lord Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that love for Mary rob him somewhat of his devotion to God? Well, I found out that not only does devotion to Mary not rob us of our devotion to her son, but that devotion to Mary is the quickest, surest way to her son and the quick, quickest, surest way to Christ's likeness because no one was more like her son than Mary. No one was. And she's a Jewish mother who has a one-track mind. She'd say, do I have a son for you? And all you need to do to go to Jesus is to go to Mary. She'll bring you to him. She knows him. She knows the way. She knows how. And we who have found that way um, have a day today to honor her with all our heart and to thank her son who wasn't yet born for creating his mother that he would have a fit dwelling place to enter the earth, to enter time and space. It's, it's a story that we'll never get over. Indeed, all generations will call her blessed, not once a year at Christmas, but every single day. God bless you, beloved. There's the music for our break. Call in with anything on your heart, toll free, one eight seven. This is Father Jacek Mazer. Please join me in a prayer honoring St. Thomas Beckett. O God, for the sake of whose church the glorious Bishop Thomas fell by the sword of ungodly men, grant that all who implore his aid may obtain the good fruit of his petition through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you.
At iCatholic Radio, we are blessed to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ through the latest of technology. But don't rely on just one of your mobile devices for listening to iCatholic Radio. Download our free app to all your Android and Apple mobile devices, ensuring you'll never miss a show. That's iCatholic Radio. Great Catholic programming available for download through the Google Play and iTunes Store. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to heart to see. I keep saying heart to heart with Mother Miriam. It used to be that. Now it's Mother Miriam live. Same program, same me, same you. And I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our half hour together. So you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have Rosemary on the line. Are you there, dear one? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for taking my call. You're welcome, Rosemary. I, I wanted to ask you uh, the question in terms of everything that's happening now. How is it best to discern when to speak up and when to stay quiet and pray? Because so much is happening. Everywhere we turn, people are having difficulties. For example, even when we go to Mass, um, some people are not very reverent, other people... Um, dress immodesty. Um, what what should we do? How, what is your method of discerning? Well, um, it depends. I mean, every it's not a method. It's 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 um, really a discernment for how and when to speak to somebody. You, you need to have a right to speak to them. You ha- need to have a right, in a sense to correct them. So are you mainly talking about those speaking out in church and dressing immodestly? Is that the main situation there that you're calling well, about? Well, it's also um, everything. I mean, um, when you see something that's immodest or you see something that is is not appropriate, should we speak out or should we... I know I usually ask for prompts from the Holy Spirit, but is well, that how do right you speak way? out to a stranger? Are you talking about strangers? Are you talking about family? Because you, strangers, if you see someone yeah. immodest in the street, you're not going to go up and tell them they need to get dressed, right? <laughs> I don't know. Should we not? <laughs> of course you should I mean, not. You, you don't have a right to do that. No, not okay. at all. I mean, we, we need to know someone. We need to have respect for them. Not to just go up to a stranger. There, that that it, it's love. Jesus came into a sinful world and uh, brought prostitutes to God. Um, he didn't tell them how to dress. He he told them to sin no more. And he they they knew his love. They knew his forgiveness. They knew his mercy. We have to reach out with the love of God. You can't go up to a stranger and 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 tell him to. Um, be quiet or to to dress more modestly that makes no sense you you'd be caring more about the dress than you would about them and their soul as far as they're concerned you see what i mean and tells them 
Pardon me? What if no one tells them and they're left in that kind of circumstance? Well, the circumstance they're in is not walking with God. Telling them how to dress is not going to save their soul. It's going to turn them away from God. What needs to happen is that someone has to embrace them and love them and tell them the gospel. And how to dress and all of that is subsequent to that. You know what I'm saying? We're not fixing the world externally. It's it's souls that need to be saved. Yes. So, so if you have a specific instance them. that's bothering you, maybe tell me that. But you can't just go up to stray. I mean, you can. You're not gonna. You're not gonna help them at all. Well, I was watching this program on TV this morning where they had. Um, it was a, a concert put on by children at a Catholic school. And I really felt that in this concert, they were really dressed inappropriately. Sure. Short short skirts, you know, Mm -hmm. they were doing dances that I thought, you know, the costumes really are So what would be your dilemma when you see that? I think that the teacher should know that this is really not the best Yes, but if you don't know the teacher, how are you going to correct that? By calling her. Even though you I'm don't know her, her that I'm, well, I'm a Catholic school supporter. I have a right, don't I, to, to well to, to deter- speak about what's happening in the Catholic schools. Well, do you want to speak about it just to put just to speak about it, or to to win souls to help them understand what is truthful? If you're a stranger and you just call because you're a, fa- she'll she'll take it that you're simply offended by the dress. She won't know what you're talking about. She'll just think that you're, um, uh, what do you? I don't know, uh, way out there. You know that you're a problem soul because you don't know her. You don't know her. If you, if you wanted to help the the dress in in a particular school. You could go to the principal. You could say, you know, I'd, I'd love to be of help to your school in a way if I can. You know, if you're not on staff, I don't know what you're going to do about it. Hmm. You just can't go in. I mean, you can, Rosemary, but the, but the issue is, is to save souls. Putting a long skirt on somebody is not going to do that. If you help them to love God, and then you can begin to talk to them about modesty and, and what honors God. And what honors the Blessed Mother, but just a stranger calling from outside, telling him the skirts are too short, they're, they're just going to think they have a crank caller on the line. Because it, you know, your, your focus is the dress and not on them or their souls. You see, if, if their walk was right with God, they would be modest. But it tells you that it's not right, and, they, and we need to help them to know God. But, Does but that make also- sense? Yes, but they're also, um, not just by themselves are they showing their short skirts, they're also showing those skirts in front of the other children. In a, in yes, but you're not going to help anything if you're a stranger to call them and correct that. You're well, not going to well, help anything. You don't have that right. You, we need to break into someone's life like that. You don't. You have to earn the right. That's not a right given you by God. You need to earn the right to... Um, involve yourself with other people's lives. And if they don't know that you love them and that you're more interested in them than with the length of their skirt, um, they're not going to listen to you. 
Well, I did call once to a church where they had very short skirts on, and they did thank me. Well, and that's said, fine. We'll change that. Okay, yeah, that's said, fine. We'll change that. Okay, that's good. You called the church. I think they probably handled that the best way they can. I don't know what they did about it, but um, uh, or I don't know who you spoke with, but I I I I, I wonder if they announced that from the pulpit or enforced it. Rosemary, uh, there's the music for our break. Uh, You need to care more about people and their souls and their salvation. You will not be able to help them with modesty and dignity and all of that if you don't first respect the dignity of their soul. If they don't know, you care. Okay, there's the music for our break, beloved. Um... Call in with anything on your heart, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. I just thought of a, of a phrase, Rosemary, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. You need to be, you need to come around them as Jesus did us, become one of us in order to love us into the kingdom. Okay, we'll be right back, beloved. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved family. I'm so happy to be with you. And um, we are going to go to a text from Emily. Emily writes, Hello, Mother. God bless you. You have been a real blessing to me and my family. I emailed you before and mentioned that after 15 years fallen away from the church, my husband and I recently convalidated our marriage and are back at home in the church. Oh, beloved, when you hear that, doesn't it make you, doesn't it make your heart sing? And Emily writes, but when I try to talk to family members about coming back to Christ, they accuse me of being judgmental and condemning. Specifically, I was speaking to my sister about how she continues to go to church, Protestant, while she lives out of wedlock with her daughter's father and is also unrepentant about her previous abortion. I worry about her soul, so I try to be honest, and she just says that I'm being judgmental and that I should know that I'm a sinner too. Do you have any advice on how to lead people back to Christ without sounding judgmental? Yes, beloved. Just like Rosemary in the call before, um, Paul wrote in Romans, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is the kindness of God. The love of people, our life as a witness, our love of others, um, our acceptance of them, not of their sin, of course, but as human beings, uh, that's going to eventually draw them to us. And again, we're going to earn the right to speak to them. You need to do that. So if your sister, she's not a true Christian, I don't know what she believes. She's gone to Protestant church, so she does believe to some point, but she doesn't honor God. Uh, there's no Protestant church that would condone her living out of wedlock um, and the abortion and all of that. So she knows we have a conscience and we know and we try to shut it out. And the only thing that's going to give us the courage um, to begin to look at our sin, the courage to face it and the desire to confess it and to overcome it and be restored is love. Nothing but love will do that. Nothing but love. So if you say to her, you continue to go to church, but live out of wedlock with your daughter's father, what are you doing? What, how is that going to help her? By She knows that. She knows that, and you're just putting it in her face, and you're, and you're distancing her from, from you. So you need to respect her. You need to come around. You need to befriend her. And like Rosemary's call, you need to earn the right to speak with her. Um, And one day, maybe when the two of you are just having a long walk or a long uh, um, walk together or lunch together or just having a real private time, you could could speak with her privately and say, you know, um, I love you and um, we're both doing the best. We're both sinners saved by grace. We're both doing the best we can with our lives, but I'm I'm so concerned about the way you're living. I'm not your judge; God is our judge. But um, but I, I'm so concerned that you are living out of wedlock, and there's a way you could you know I'm sure you could you know correct that. Or can I do anything? Can I help you in any way? 
uh, can I suggest something, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you can't tell her to be repentant about her abortion. She needs the love of God. She needs to know that no matter what she's done, God will forgive her. He longs, he waits for her to come to him in repentance and for and, and in forgiveness. And she could say, well, God knows he's already forgiven me. I said, well, blessed be his name. But if we continue to live in sin, we're kind of thwarting his forgiveness. I don't know how you would speak with her. But again, you need she needs to be confident of your love. She needs to be confident of your acceptance of her, not your rejection because of her lifestyle. It's God who would reject us with sin. And the only way we can bring one another to salvation and to uh, the point where God won't reject them is through love. Uh, the, The greatest definition I've ever heard of evangelization is one beggar, we're all beggars. None of us deserve what we have. One beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. If you approach your sister as a beggar, knowing that you're the same as her, you're both beggars before God. You're both beggars. And to say to her, you know, I know where there's food. I know where there's bread. Just a beggar telling another one. They're not judging that one. One beggar comes across a starving man on the street, and he knows where free bread's been given out. He's not going to look at that starving man and say it's your fault or what. He's not going to do that. He's not going to judge him. He's going to say, my brother, you can, there's bread for you. I got it. It's free. Go around the corner. He won't feel judged. He'll feel that you love him and that you're willing to help him. That's the way we have to approach people. Emily, we must. We have an email from Mark in Ontario, Canada. Mark says, hello, Mother Miriam. I just started listening to your show about a month ago and listened to the podcast every day since. I converted to Catholicism about nine years ago. I grew up in a Protestant home until about 15 years of age when my parents divorced and I fell away from any faith. I met my wife, who was Catholic, and after several years of marriage, the truth of the faith was revealed to me, and I'm a proud Catholic ever since. Blessed be God, dear Mark. Mark says, we are practicing Catholics and just had our ninth child five weeks ago. Oh, what music. Blessed be God forever. Six of our children are of school age, and we just pulled them out of the Catholic school system a month ago. We live in Canada, and the Catholic schools here are just as bad or worse than the public schools. I know, Mark, I've been following some of the news. It's, it's just tragic. Mark says, I've listened to all sorts of talks on YouTube from Father Ripiger and others, including yourself, who have brought to my attention things like the Baltimore Catechism and the Latin Mass and some of the problems with the new Mass or practices post-Vatican II. My question is, how do I get my wife to fully be on board with some of the things I'm learning about the faith? Now, I'm going to stop right there. It's the same answer I've given before to Emily and Rosemary. You need to understand that what we don't have what we haven't received. 
So what you've received, the grace, the hunger for the faith, the understanding, the convictions that you've received, you cannot put those on your wife. You can't force her. You can't criticize her. You have to know that you have received bread from God and you need to help her to trust that she could eat the bread and have a better life. You need to be patient. Mark says, I have expressed to her some of my concerns with our daughters or sometimes herself about dressing more modestly. She is not fully against me, but is not fully with me either. She thinks that it's extreme to not be able to wear a tank top on a hot summer day or allow tight leggings for our girls. Well, that's because your wife, uh, dear one, is absorbed in the culture. What is extreme is to wear the tank top on a hot summer day. All you need to say to her, but lovingly, sweetheart, could you imagine the Blessed Virgin wearing a tank top on a hot summer day? That would be extreme. You see, in our culture, it's not because we walk around half naked and we don't know modesty or respect anymore. But the model is is Mary. Joseph for men and Mary for women. And she might think you're crazy to take that as a model. But you need to do it slowly and lovingly. Um, and Mark says, we, she also doesn't think it's wrong to wear shorts or sandals to church and thinks that by me setting these new dress standards for our family, I'm just going to push all our children away from our faith because we already live such a different life than even most of their church needs church friends, and most certainly the majority of society. Well, you won't push your children away from the faith if you simply say, from now on, I want your skirts to be down to here, and I don't want this, and I want that. You need to teach them. You need to read to them about the saints. You need to read to them about modesty. The churches, the popes, writings on modesty and get wonderful books on modesty for young girls you need them you need to help them know how sacred their bodies are and that no one should see their bodies uh, aside from their husband on their marriage night that they are sacred that they need to be covered you need to teach them that they need to long for that you see it's not just a dress restriction If you had started out that way since they were three years old and dressed them properly and modestly all along, it would have been different. That's what what families need to do. But all of a sudden, to put new regulations on them is going to be very, very difficult. You just can't do that. You'll turn them away from you and away from the faith. You need to teach them. Um, Let me see where we are. Um, And Mark says, we already got rid of cable years ago, and we do not permit any movies that use the Lord's name in vain or have inappropriate things. We only listen to Christian music. They are not allowed cell phones or anything like that. I want to start going to a Latin mass, and my wife will follow my lead by going there, even though it's over an hour drive away. Well, that's fantastic, Mark, that your wife will follow you there. And... In that case, you say, we go to Latin Mass, um, no shorts, you you need to wear skirts, they need to be below the knee, 
and no tank tops, your shoulders need to be covered. Um, it, because that's the reverence that they show, the sacredness they show at the Latin Mass. Um, Mark says, do I let certain things slide like tank tops and leggings, or is it my duty to double down? You don't let them slide, and you don't double down. You love them, your wife and your daughters, into knowing how special they are, how beautiful they are, how sacred they are. And you teach them that the reason women wear veils at the Latin Mass is because what is sacred is veiled, just like the tabernacle. Um, And Mark says, we are a fairly young family. Our oldest daughter is 13, and my wife and I are only in our mid-30s and trying to do our best, but it can be hard sometimes. It's hard, Mark, because you started late. To start when the oldest is 13 and already into her teen years is very difficult in today's world, but you can, but you can, and you let the young ones know that this dress is inappropriate, and you you must direct them. They don't get to choose what they wear as as uh, three and four and five and six and nine-year-olds. They don't. You need to direct that. Um, but your older children need to also set the example. Do it by teaching them by showing them the dignities, the virtues of the Blessed Mother, and again, the saints. Um, Thank you for all you're doing. I enjoy listening to your program. God bless. And and Mark puts Roman 116 at the end, and I I know that verse by heart. Um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's a wonderful verse, Mark. Again, when you come, when God, everybody, when you begin to grow in love, when you grow in holiness, you grow in a deep understanding of your faith, you cannot assume that God has done the same in other hearts. He's given that to you to lead your family in love just like he's led you. Excuse me, to the truth and to love and be patient again. It is the kind. Pardon me. It is the kindness of God, the patience of God, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Be kind. Don't let your children see your impatience. Don't let your wife see your judgmentalness or your disgust. Don't let them see that. Only let them see love, and um, and be patient. All right, sometimes things take time. All right, but if you're going to go to the Latin Mass, tell them that you'd love to, but they may not wear shorts and sandals to a Latin Mass. And if they say, why? Because you're going to be very embarrassed there because the people are respectful and reverent and you're really going to stand out. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to be hurt by that. Okay, beloved, we'll speak with you all tomorrow. God bless you.